It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're... Friday Night Games. We are two board game enthusiasts who have read 1,238,632 pages of rule books. And on today's show, we are going to discuss heavier games. What they are, what make good ones, mid-heavy games from Pandasaurus games, and possibly geek out about Dinosaur World. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be Dinosaur World. You're going to be it? Well, that's what you're going to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally going to be it. All right, cool. Well, <laughs> let's get into it. John, what's a heavy game? I mean, Gloomhaven is pretty heavy. Like, I tried lifting that box one time, and I feel like I could have just done, like, 50 reps with it and called it a day. <laughs> Yeah, that that box is huge. Yeah. Is is heavy like like deep? Like will it pierce into my mind, determine my deep psychological desires and why I failed as a human being to ignore my real world problems by playing board games? Uh yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Let's get on that then. That's actually pretty interesting. <laughs> uh means that using the board game geek scale, heavier games weigh more than three point five out of five on their scale, rated by the users on Board Game Geek. Right. So that is a community rating based on how hard it is to learn the game. There's a lot of different views that go into this. The game could have lots of rules. That's the simplest one. It may have lots of strategy, which means there's lots of ways to win. That also makes it heavy weighted. It could also be really hard to teach. All right, 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 right. Let's get into this. So what really makes a good heavy game? Good question, John. This sounds like we should give John and Matt's five points about what makes a really good heavy game. Boop, boop. Number one. New segment. (laughs) (laughs) We love lists. Who doesn't love lists? Number one. It has to be long. It's not a good heavy game if the session doesn't go beyond five hours. Uh, John, if my game of Twilight Imperium isn't at least ten hours, then we aren't playing, okay? Also, honor points if you don't go to the washroom during the game. (laughs) Oh, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like the the games that would would come to mind for this would be Twilight Imperium, War of the Ring, which is a Lord of the Rings game. I think I have Risk written down there, but I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> Wrist. <laughs> hey, this was done at late at night. Okay, yeah, it's all right. So number two, the game has to be complicated. The rule book has to be large. Like I'm talking real large, written with like ro- lawyer, you know, like a law book number. Oh, like or- root. <laughs> well, you know what? Root actually isn't that big. I was thinking actually like Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Dungeons and Dragons is written like a like a, a lawyer book too. <laughs> it is a textbook. It does sound familiar, right? Root. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, games come with three different rule sheets, but not one rule sheet refers to rules on another that you think weren't related. Oh, like Mage Knight has that problem. I remember <laughs> someone was saying that there's like a walkthrough, and in the walkthrough, it refers to like this like setup guide, and you have to like flip back between the two booklets to try and figure it out. Nice. I haven't gotten around to playing that game yet because of the rule book. But... <laughs> You're intimidated. Yeah. Uh, number three, one trillion pieces. 
it's always a good complicated game and then one that really tests your storage and manual dexterity like have a game that has so many pieces that we literally forget we're playing a game <laughs> oh like it's like a puzzle it almost looks like you're, <laughs> you're playing a puzzle right there well you're trying to set it up and you're like what are we even doing or better yet the pieces have names and there are like 50 characters and you have to search through and find every character to put on the board oh like dead of winter <laughs> whoa <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's actually how I feel about Dead of Winter. I'm always searching for the players in the game. <laughs> and then uh, let's make sure that all the expansions have just as many pieces as the original game. Oh, like the new Twilight Imperium expansion that's coming out. It's the same price as the main game. It's like $200, and I'm pretty sure it has every like all the same number of pieces, too. <laughs> number four, it has a really, really, really big, big board. <laughs> So not only should it have a big board, but all the players should have boards too. Like like all the boards should be having boards. Like Dinosaur Island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dinosaur Island has a like four main boards in the center and then you have two you have like a player board for your research and then you have another board for I don't know, the actual island. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, costumes. Every player should be in character. Oh, this this game makes a lot of psychological sense. You know, like, maybe I really want to be a female elf priest. Do it. Yeah. It's 2020, man. You're right. It is. <laughs> you can't judge me. And if you're a wizard, you should grow your beard out. You know, make sure you got a long, majestic gray beard. Got to wear that wizard robe, a hat. Get, get one of those canes with the pipe holder in it, like Gandalf. Oh, but, but if you rings. get the cane, you have to whittle it yourself. Right. Like, right. if it has, like, a snake head at the top, you have to do that. That way you are, like, totally the wizard. <laughs> And you know you're truly invested when you wear a costume, right? Right. Not only when you go to play the game at home, but possibly when you're carrying that game out of the store. <laughs> like you should dress up, like just wear hey. it underneath, like you know, especially if you're wearing like Borat's mankini or something, and you just want to be Borat in one of the games, just rip your clothes off. Maybe you want to play the new game of Oceans, but <laughs> to get into the whole thing, you got to pull out your mankini, you know? Man, I forget what we're even talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay well we're actually here <laughs> to talk about pandasaurus so first of all we'd like to give a big thank you to pandasaurus games for sending us games to play all of which we put on another podcast <laughs> however as a big thank you we're going to be talking about their current library of medium plus as they termed it so mediums but not heavy, so greater than medium, close to heavy, games in their catalog. On a really cool note, we reached out to them and asked how they pick those heavier games for their catalog. Uh, Nathan got back to us with this. To my favorite two Canadian podcasters. Oh, that is so sweet. On the heavy stuff, I'd say we just signed the games we like to play, which is a cop-out answer. We don't have a type of game that we look for. When a prototype speaks to us and the gameplay is solid, We'll publish it. We try to stick to midweight plus games at the heaviest with the sub 90 minute playtime and not publish games that take north of two hours. First of all, did he actually call us his favorite two Canadian podcasters? Yes. That's pretty nice of him, eh? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure you just wrote that in. <laughs> yeah, okay, I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I mean, I bet you he's thinking it, right? I don't know how many Canadian podcasters he knows other than like Watch It Played. Man, it's maybe. probably the most popular. Also, the prototypes speak to him? Yes. We need to send science down there to Pandasaurus to see what type of weird <laughs> miracles are happening. Apparently, they have inanimate objects that are talking to them. Like I said, it is 2020. 
That's pretty awesome. Anything goes now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that is awesome information. So clearly, as a company, they like heavier games, but don't want them to be as long as, you know, Twilight Imperium. I agree with this way of thinking. I don't want to play a game that's more than five hours. And, you know, 90 minutes to 120 minutes sounds like a good length especially with our group yeah because if you get like a thinker because you know we have some players who like to do a lot of thinking before they play Mm -hmm. and that could drag out the game right right so that 60 minute game could easily be 90 minutes right and i'm sure everybody has that person because there's everyone there's so so many different types of personalities who play the games right all right Matt. let's talk about panasaurus games their medium plus library and how it fits onto our shelf onto our lists Cool, yeah. So the games that we've played are Godspeed, Dead Man's Cabal, Dinosaur Island, and Machikoro. Machikoro isn't heavy. Yeah, it is. What if I have like all the expansions and I have to choose all the cards on the table? It takes up the whole table. You can't see John I rolling over there. (laughs) So let's see how these games fit into these categories of quote unquote what makes a heavy game. Sounds good. All right. So are these games long? Uh, okay, well, let's start with Godspeed. So it took us 90 minutes exactly to play as a group of four. Mm-hmm. Actually, group of three. Group of three. Group yeah. of three. But the learning actually took 60 minutes because it's a pretty, even though it's kind of a straightforward game, it still took a lot of time to read the instruction manual. Dinosaur Island was 30 minutes for me to learn solo and then maybe like another 10 minutes to learn the changes between solo and the real game. So how long did that take us four players to play? I think we probably played for about 100 maybe two hours maybe was it two hours i think so okay so because i left pretty early that night we started at like 9 30 yeah, and i left about 11 11 30 yeah which yeah. makes sense so it was about almost two hours but that also includes teaching two people who never played it before the game makes sense when you play it it just there's a lot of rules at first to kind of soak in right so right. once we did a round everyone kind of got it then we have dead man's cabal this one's a little weird because it took a while to play so around 90 minutes to play i think we played with four of us but i felt like i learned it fairly quickly within 20 minutes 30 minutes okay yeah well, that's not bad and what about machi caro it's not a heavy game matt but, but what about it like how many minutes 30 <laughs> <laughs> all right so in conclusion do any of those fit the heavy game category of being long not by our standard of five hours 10 hours when <laughs> twilight yeah okay but you know what? Honestly, I think 90, 90 minutes, two hours is satisfactory to me. I agree. You know, if anything goes over that with our group, we lose some people. Which is why, you know, we used to have 20 people and now we're down to five. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just lose the people. You know, you don't, they don't want to play anymore. It's no longer interesting. And, and when you're playing a game for that long, game nights are meant to be social, right? When you're playing a game that long, you're just like in the game now, right? Mm-hmm. You're not there to, to socialize or you're not present you're you're more just soaked into what's going on in the game you like i always look back when we played firefly yeah and that like six that hour game, game that we each had half a turn on it seemed right <laughs> you know i ended up playing like rick and morty uh on the oculus because <laughs> i was like screw this game <laughs> true yeah so i i agree like having a game that's you know two hours at max with the, with the number with the player with a certain player count is probably what you need okay well, so what about complicated are these games complicated so godspeed i think godspeed is complicated like i feel like i got the rules pretty good but i'm pretty sure we screwed up most of them during our game wasn't there like a specific rule we screwed up in that game i think we were playing the xeno relic wrong so we had we had mike got the first one 
Oh. And I don't think he was supposed to get it when he did. And he was like, he got the one that gave him extra resources every round. And yeah. he got it like second round. Yeah. And he was getting like all the reasons. He had like a pile of mountain of resources oh, to yeah. his disposal. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but that's funny. Uh, what about uh, Dinosaur Island? You know, I would say like the thing that made Dinosaur Island complicated was that it had a really long setup. Mm-hmm. But the flow of the game and understanding how it's played was very easy. So I wouldn't say it's that complicated what about dead man's cabal well this game it's a big setup so there's you know takes up a lot of room on the table and it's really theme heavy so you know you're you're a necromancer who doesn't have any friends that you're trying to summon the dead to have a party (laughs) (laughs) sounds very halloweeny yeah but not everyone in our group liked it right yeah that's true and they didn't probably didn't like it because there's a lot of rules there's a lot of rules right so you're doing different things and each phase of the game does a different thing and there's a lot of things you need to remember while you're playing it so it can get it can get hard to remember when you're in the thick of the game but for me like i found it fairly easy to play and what about machikoro it's not a heavy game it's not complicated (laughs) you're playing cards trying to build up your city okay good (laughs) and so i guess in conclusion to that godspeed it's the most complicated due to the large amount of options. It has a decent setup. So yeah, I would say it's probably the most complicated of those games. Maybe Dead Men's Cabal next. So what about one million pieces? One trillion pieces. One trillion pieces? Does Godspeed have a trillion pieces? Yes. Does Dinosaur Island have a trillion pieces? Even more. Does Dead Men's Cabal have even more pieces than Dinosaur Island? Yeah, because it has all those skulls and bones and board. <laughs> oh and what about much girl i mean if you have all the expansion you get like a million cards yeah that makes sense all the money too they give you extra money oh yeah the money coins yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. so yeah they all they all have a billion pieces so they all hit that one that's good so what about really big board godspeed yeah what do you think about godspeed's board that took up your entire large ikea table okay it's pretty big dinosaur island do we need to push your two tables together to play that we did yeah (laughs) (laughs) that actually was even playing it solo it took up a full table and i'm like i think i need more room (laughs) (laughs) what about dead man's cabal it does it's not a huge board but it's like several boards connected together so it takes up quite a lot of space and machikoro i mean once if you build a big enough city both players or whoever's playing then yeah yeah if you have all the cards on the board too just doing a selection rather than random draw yeah i could see that so i guess in conclusion yes they all have big boards all right now this is one's fun what about costumes do you think we need costumes for godspeed i mean we could be pretty expensive yeah i would dress up like an astronaut right why not i really like the canadian stuff so like have the flag and like there's some you know symbol on my space suit so yep. that would do what about dime star island which you got i mean you can get one of those inflatable t-rex suits <laughs> and then like some of us could dress up in 90s clothes since we're 90s like teenagers yeah we could have easily well we've been tweens i guess yeah but we easily could have had like just Actually, I still have some of my clothes. They're all in tatters. I could just wear them, and we could pretend like we're in the movie, you know, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Right? What about Dead Man's Cabal? Lots of makeup. You can look dead. (laughs) Or, man, you can dress up like a sweet necromancer, though. Yeah. Uh, although I really like the art on those cards, so it'd be kind of yeah, cool. cool. It's weird with 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 that game because like it's such like a, almost a dark theme, but it's comical and like the board itself looks like very haunting. But then the cards are fun. I, I like that though. Yeah. That's my type of like you know you know how I hate scary movies. Right. You'll hear about it last week, <laughs> but. <laughs> 
I feel like that is that's a really big draw to me. A fun Halloween as opposed to you know super creepy Halloween. What about uh, Machi Karo there, John? I, well, I mean the game the game is in like a city in Japan, right? So I guess you can dress up like a white American tourist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's pretty fitting for the game. So that's like the easiest costume. Just dress up as ourselves, I guess. Yeah. So what do you think, Matt? Costumes? Yeah. <laughs> costumes are should always be a part of a game. We should always be wearing we should be wearing costume when we play on Friday nights. Although that would just add a whole nother, you know, an element to it. We'd be like we'd be wasting all our time trying to like dress up. So I would say in conclusion, the Panasaurus games medium plus library is actually pretty heavy. So with Godspeed being the heaviest, Dinosaur Island being the biggest setup. So Matt, which one of those is your favorite? So my favorite is a 2020 game that actually came out this April and has been stuck at Mustache Matt's house until September until I made it across the border to pick up my package (laughs) and then like quarantine for 9 million years. Yes. But it was worth it. So that game is Godspeed. So Godspeed is by Pandasaurus Games, designed by Clayton Hargrave and Adam Hill, art by Jesse Riggle and Steve Tours. It's an alternate universe, so based in the 1960, where the space race was a total lie, and it was. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, come on. Oh, you want to get? Let's get into some conspiracy theories later. All right, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> the true space race is the colonization of a new exoplanet found by the Japanese and Russians. This board game will take place over 10 rounds and the player with the most points via prestige track, completing milestones, meeting lunar season cards, and a few other minor bonuses will win. Each player will have five differently numbered astronauts, which are used to bid and worker place throughout the game. Each player will have a player board where they build production buildings, which generate resources. Each round is carried out over three phases. There's a high council. So this phase is designed to remove a bidding worker with punishment or reward. So basically it gives you an option to gain something in the in the game if you want to do it you have to get rid of a a worker during that phase to bid on that resource or whatever the card says then there's supply the phase is designed to remove bidding workers to gain powerful cards like more resources extra moves first player etc and then the action phase so one at a time worker placement style players will place a worker in one of the six areas gain resources build production buildings get development cards, which can be turned into prestige to win the game. And there are a limited number of workers that can be placed in each section, so be careful with your choices. We talked about it earlier. <laughs> we played a three-player game with just us two and Novi. So what went wrong? <laughs> we talked a little bit about it. We accidentally gave Novi the relic pretty much right away. And he, like I said, we had a, he had a mountain of resources the entire game. We kind of figured it out on round seven. That's when you actually get to choose your Zeno relic yeah. power. <laughs> I think he got around like two or three. Yeah. But I'm actually really surprised he didn't win. Well, you know what? Even in the end, we kind of recalculated even if he got it earlier. And it didn't really affect any of our scores all that much. I think it gave you an extra three points and it gave Novi an extra five. Five, but I think you blew us away, so it didn't even matter yeah. at the end of it. What was your strategy beating us up so badly? I was just really trying to focus on my objectives that I had. So I did my my like secret objective like really quick. So I got some extra points for that, and then just focusing on the the objectives that I had. So building the right colored spaces and building. I noticed I noticed also it helped you when you're focusing on the seasonal cards. So those are over rounds one through three, three through three through six, and then. Six. 8 to 10 no 8 9 yeah 8 9 10 they have like an objective for those rounds only and you yeah. complete all of them right which was huge 
So yeah. that actually gave you a lot of points. I was just really focusing on that because I wasn't really too worried about, you know, gaining tons of extra resources like Mike was. Because they really, at the end of the day, get one point for every 10, right? Yeah, so, so it didn't like, even matter. You know, he only got like three or four points out of it anyways. Yeah, that was my strategy. Just focus on like the objectives that I could beat and that I had laid out in front of me without trying to get in, trying to get the unknown involved, I right. guess. It was really funny though, watching Mike collect so many resources. I'm like, are you going to do anything with all those? <laughs> he had like so many rockets. He's just like, yeah, I'm just collecting rockets, guys. I'm like, can I have a rocket? I really need a rocket to build some, to get more prestige points. It, honestly, like I, I was, I didn't know, really know what to, what to expect with the game. I had a lot of fun playing it. And for, for the game being as big and rule heavy as it was, I feel like I caught on really easily. You know what? I will say earlier, we said it was, had a, had a lot of rules. I don't think it had like a lot of rules. The rules are just kind of complicated. It was easy to miss a few, yeah. but the game was actually really simple to play. You bid, you bid again, and then you place your workers based on what you have left. Right. And that was the whole premise of the game and it worked. And I really liked it. I actually really liked it. Like compared to all the other Panasaurus games we played, I thought that might have, might actually be my favorite. Yeah, and what I like about it too, like I feel like Panasaurus games kind of have like an overall... I don't know if campy is the right word, but like a, like a lighter theme, like almost like, you know, lighthearted and fun theme. And this one seemed like a little bit more serious, more serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was still like light, lighthearted, I guess. But this one didn't have that like campiness to it that like, say, you know, Dinosaur Island has. Yeah, I guess even like Dead Man's Cabal kind of has a campiness to it, right? You're right, saying it's yeah. kind of like Halloween theme, but at the end of the day, it's actually has, has like fun moments in the game, right? You said the cards were fun. Yeah, the cards are, you know, you're trying to get, trying to make a big party, right? So you're trying to build up your deceased people cards or whatever. And they're all drawn with like funky art and, you know, cool looks on them and whatever. It's like Weekend at Bernie's here. You got like a lot of fun little characters following you around. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I, f- I felt the game actually carried out pretty quickly, too. I know it took us 90 minutes to play, yeah. but I feel like adding another player wouldn't have taken us two hours. No. Right? I think the game is just the game because everything kind of happens at the same time. Right. I think even with, like, Novi making decisions, like, I feel like he didn't drag the game on. Like, he's he's a, he, he likes to think about his, his turn, but I think he did a pretty good job of, like, doing that while not his turn yeah like he was he was doing really well at just pl- trying to plan out what he was doing for the next turn as much as he could yeah it was good yeah I, I i said it's not the best for heavy thinkers but i think it was fine it would have been 90 minutes no matter what mm-hmm. i feel i also really liked how the game gets more powerful as you go on the supply deck is actually put into sections based on the number of players and the number of rounds so you always have these powerful cards being drawn at the very end and i thought that was really cool yeah so you kind of feel like yeah time goes on we're actually researching properly and figuring out how to get better right i thought that was super cool i like that mechanic i didn't even think about it like that till right now Well, you, any other thoughts? Yeah, like I said, the game was easy for me and I caught on pretty quickly. There was excitement, like, I feel like the whole game. Like, we were very, like, into it the entire time, which was nice. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I, I feel a little, like, I don't know if this is anything against the game or not, but if I didn't do any research into the game, I would look at the box art and think it has more of, like, a horror theme. Maybe, like, Nemesis or something like that, which kind of, like, threw me off guard while we were playing. Oh, because there was none of that. Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> like the, the cover looks like an astronaut, like he's about to get attacked by, like, an alien or something. And that's just not. There's no aliens in the game. Yeah, that's just not what (laughs) what portrayed in the game. But the box art's cool. Yeah, box art's pretty cool. But actually, I mean, it kind of fits the. So every like 
your workers, they all have like a, they're all wearing a spacesuit and they all have flags of your country on them, which yep. is really neat. Oh, so that is my favorite Pandasaurus game. Is that your favorite Pandasaurus game, John? Yeah, I think it's up there. I think I had the most fun playing this game. Okay. Would you would you say Dinosaur Island's better or would you say this game is better? Dinosaur Island's fun, but I like this game better. Or I like Godspeed better. Okay. Well, on a, on, a, on a fun note, I actually reached out to them and asked them kind of this question too. Not exactly. Um, you know, it's hard for someone to be like, which one of your children is your favorite children? Yeah. <laughs> right? You can't answer that. But I did say, hey, give me, you know, what game clearly represents your company? And we both know the answer to this. Right. Clearly the game. <laughs> the game. <laughs> Illusion? <laughs> Well, anyway, so they actually gave us a response. Yeah. So let me read that to you. So Dinosaur World, duh. I mean. Late pledge it. <laughs> they made a big campaign this this past couple months. Which was really well done. Really well done. So they, they launched Dinosaur World and then Dinosaur Island Roaring Right. And then they released a game which just came out, I think, this week. And the week that we're recording this, Gods Love Dinosaurs. So they have this big dino-verse in board games. Right. And they do a very good job campily making these games. Right. Let's get into their response. So the response was, I don't know what I can say. I don't know if I can say anything other than Dinosaur Island, obviously. Right. Right. It has unique artwork, unique gameplay, and it's just a whole bucket of fun. We try to make all our games accessible to a wide range of players. Dinosaur Island has variable play length to support this. It's not the heaviest game that I've ever experienced, which is important to this point. You are really and truly stepping into the world the game is set in. We try to do this in all our games, but Dinosaur Island does it in a really special way. So what do you think that special way is? So who who gave you that response first, Matt? Sorry. That was the marketing director. Uh, Danny? Yes. Nice. So thanks, Danny, for, if you're listening, for answering our question. Sorry, what was your question, Matt? My question is, what do you think that really special way is? I think we actually answered it before. So Dinosaur Island, we said it before, has a really large setup time, but the game isn't complicated at all. Um, it plays out really well, fairly quickly, even when you do one at a time, choose using things phases and the research and visitor phase go pretty quickly and i like that when we were playing it just how everyone just like after one round was like yeah, i know i know what we have to do yeah and you're looking at all these things on the board there is so much there is so much going on yeah but it's just it's simple yeah right and you like, have limited choices everyone has limited choices right right and i guess the cool thing is that it really hits the nail on the head theme wise too because it's just like it's like playing like this fun dinosaur theme park like there was clever clever grill <laughs> which was a play on jurassic parks clever girl yeah although the pun game is strong on oh, in this game <laughs> and they even give you like fun tokens that have like 90s quotes on them and i'm just like they're really like you know they don't have to do that no but it's just like a fun little extra thing for well, you to play around with well think about it right so we were uh, jurassic park came out what 92 93 so we were at eight when that movie came out right and now we're like 36 <laughs> so so this is total nostalgia and like we're like like I, I remember going to the theaters to see Jurassic Park I remember what theater I went to to see it Force Glade no I went to the Palace Theater that oh, used to be in our downtown core nice, nice. to see it anyway I saw uh, with my grandma by the way I, I, my, my dad took me oh nice yeah it is just like it's just got that nostalgia factor that they're just really hitting that nail on the head with so 
Very cool. Very cool. Well, I just want to say that I love Dinosaur Island. I do love, like, I think I, I like Godspeed better, but I really like Dinosaur Island, and I'm very excited for Dinosaur World, which I back. Yeah, and I back Roaring, right? Right. So together we back the whole campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and so Dinosaur World, you know, it's just let me just geek out a little bit for a minute here. You know, it's very similar to Dinosaur Island, except that it, it can has Jeep tours. The parks are now hex tiles, so instead of having your flat park board you have hex tiles that you lay down you have the exact same dna board instead of research market worker placement and then park phase we now have higher workers public islands which i don't know private lab jeep tours and then income phase and the one of the cool mechanics is that you buy specifically specific colored workers and they give bonuses on where you actually put them in your in your world that sounds awesome oh it is <laughs> i watched just like a couple like preview videos and i'm like you know this may not be like the final thing but it's just so cool nice so was dinosaur island the first game that panasaurus published no actually i mean you would think it is right but it, it's not tammany hall was the first game i guess nathan was at was at a gen con and was playing it and he really liked it so much that he wanted to reprint the original game which was by stratamax and for some reason that he does not know they actually gave them the rights to the game and so that was their very first game they printed and they started with that on kickstarter nice and they just re re-released it yeah uh, yeah 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 uh in september actually nice. pandasaurus is going hard in 2020 oh yeah man I, like it. I mean they're doing a good job they're yeah. doing a fantastic job and all their games are are excited but but on an interesting note tammany hall was wasn't their biggest success their biggest success success was actually machi koro i didn't even know this but i actually bought machi koro kind of before we started playing board games as a group mm -hmm. and i bought it back i think it was 2014 2012 i bought it back when they like first got released because it, it it really like first of all i love japan right i'm assuming they do too and everything in japan is so cute and that's exactly what the board game is everything right. is like incredibly incredibly cute like you said, everything in Japan's got a little mascot, right? It does. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. And and this game is, you know, it just reminds me of that. Being in Japan, seeing all sorts of cute things. I mean, they cutized all the buildings and tiles and stuff, but right. it's just so fantastically done. So they actually brought that over here, and that gave them a great success, which nice. led to them making more games. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice little success. And if story. it wasn't for that, then I guess they would have never quit their day jobs. Mm, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> lucky right awesome well you know thanks again to danny and the team at pandasaurus games you know they trusted us to to send some games to us to make content for our podcast social medias and our stream that we do now on on monday nights so we really appreciate you sending us machi koro the game and illusion that we featured on a, on a previous podcast that we just we just like we said earlier just really wanted to feature more of your your stuff on our podcast so thank you again wait wait what were we gonna geek out about conspiracies oh yeah the space race conspiracy oh okay yeah oh, yeah. yeah yeah i totally forgot Throw it I at totally me, forgot. Mr. conspiracy oh yeah okay so here's my here's my theory here's my theory the united states didn't go to the moon when they say they did i believe you so why would you make that up Listen, the United States needs to be the best at everything. That's just like their 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 mantra, right? So all you know, China, Russia, whoever is all you know, we're going to the moon. So obviously, the United States has all these resources and research and blah 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 figured out before everyone else to to get to the moon first, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna side. I'm gonna go with this. We've been to the moon, or sorry, the United States has been to the moon. What we saw on TV in the 1960s was fabricated for 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 viewing pleasures and bragging rights 
I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. It doesn't make sense. Why would you make it? I mean, like, I no, sorry. I do know why you make this up and you make it up because, yes, you want to be the best at everything. And, you know, back then, you know, there's a thing called the Cold War that was happening. And, right. And they're trying to prove that they're the best. But at the same time, it's like, it seems like you go to the moon. What are you getting out of it? I've been to the moon. Who cares? <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? I have the best They're tech. just trying to prove who's Who dick's bigger. Who cares? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, so, so like when you think about it, okay, you've been in the moon, you put a flag on it. It doesn't mean you own the moon. Even if you did own the moon, well, I guess now they're starting to find water and minerals on it. So maybe it does matter who owns the moon. Yeah. <laughs> but we're all. But at the same time, it's like boundaries change because of things called war. And we know this because certain countries are fighting over the Canada's Arctic right now by sending <laughs> out. And they notice how I said Canada's Arctic because that includes us. Yeah. <laughs> but if people are fighting over that territory because there's resources there. And countries will fight over resources because if they can find a resource that helps them increase their army, it helps them increase their um, colonial territory. <laughs> so basically, we thought we got out of uh, Congress. <laughs> <laughs> land, but we never actually have. And now we're on to the moon yeah. and Mars. But I don't, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I'm pretty sure we made. It. I'm pretty sure we made it there. And you know what? All the other countries did too. And and really, like I think even even now, all the countries are kind of band together to do things. It's not really like one country versus the other. It's all of them together. Like and I that's said, like better. I said, they went there, just not when we think they did. That's that's all I'm saying. Well. We know, like, Elon Musk is going to go to the moon at some point. Probably probably set up Amazon on the moon. Let's just have him go to the dark side, find those aliens. <laughs> and then, uh, you know. Dude, if aliens were here... Okay, let's just get into this topic. This is actually a really <laughs> funny topic. Look, I'm just going to put it out there. And yes, if you're listening, you quote us on this, all right? And you make sure you give reference to us because, trust me, this, this theory is my theory and it makes a ton <laughs> of sense. If aliens came to the Earth, they don't care about us. We are dumb. We would be so <laughs> dumb. It'd be like it'd be like us going to the zoo to watch animals. Of course, right? They'd look at us and be like, "These people have no idea what they're doing. We're gonna leave them alone." Because <laughs> this it- is not why I had you build the pyramids, people. <laughs> Yeah. This is not why I helped you build the pyramids. We thought you were smart, and then we realized <laughs> that you are on your phones all the time on social media, looking at Friday Night Game G- Friday Night Games GMS on Twitter. Okay, I know that's what you're doing, right? Or you're looking at our Instagram at Friday Night under- Friday Night Games underscore official. You know, they're probably looking at that. They're like, these people are, or, or even like, imagine a sporting event. Imagine you're an alien, and you happen to just be watching the us Lions watch play football. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, a team cannot be this bad. How could they be this misdirected by their leader? They clearly have no idea what they're doing. We need to leave this planet immediately. That's my rant. And uh, just remember that when you steal that material, you're stealing it from Friday Night Games. Okay? So you give us credit because it's hilarious. Well, thank you for that, Matthew. And thank you all for listening. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or hit that follow button on your favorite streaming platform. Let us know if there's a game that you'd like for us to check out. We are streaming now on Twitch, so every Monday night at 8.30 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can find us playing our favorite games. So if you know of any games you want us to play, just shoot us a message and let us know. Monster Mash, anyone? Like Monster Mash. Or if you have a game that you want us to preview, let us know. Just shoot us an email at info at Friday Don't forget to check us out on our social medias, so Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is Friday night games underscore official and twitter is friday night gms check us back next friday for our next episode and remember it's friday night and let's have some fun